Before I start, this is just a reminder, Shit's Fucked is based on my own experiences with sobriety, mental health, and trauma. Each person's experiences and recovery is different. I hope you enjoy the podcast, but please note that I am not a medical professional. However, I hope to introduce you to resources and people who may be able to help. Welcome to Shit's Fucked. My name is Paris. I am the host of this podcast. And today I have guest speaker Sarah Coble, who will be discussing neurolinguistic programming. Hopefully I said that right. All right, Sarah, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. <laughs> so first question is it's a pretty basic one. We just want our audience to know, you know, what is it that you do? What what is commit to you, your company? Um, what are your, the services you provide? Um, and tell us a little bit, bit about um, your education around neurolinguistic programming, also known as cool. NLP. <laughs> NLP, cool. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Most people don't even know what it is, so you did well. So that's good. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so well, pretty much. So how I got into this in the educational part of it. So I first got into it because I did some self-development with a coach that did NLP and that's an eight week course, which I'll go into, which is what I specialize in now, but I did that with her and it literally changed my whole life. So pretty much once I finished, I was like, whatever you just did, I want to know how you did it. So I went into the training. So with that training, I've done my um, NLP and timeline theory practitioner. And then two years ago, I just did my master prac. So it's just a lot of study, really. You go in and you do, and they sort of, you're shut away for like a month. You don't really see anybody. Like the way they do it is even because you need to. So with neuro-linguistic programming, it's all about your neuro pathways and the patterns and the language because it's linguistics. It's the language that we use that create our beliefs behind a lot of stuff and also that's how we hold a lot of our emotions to it. So that's sort of the educational part. I also do have a background in um, fitness and nutrition, so that helped me get into it because I found being in the fitness industry for nearly um, 10 years, there was always a hidden agenda behind the weight loss or the fitness and meaning that someone wasn't happy with the way they looked or they weren't happy with their life so they chose or thought that if they could change the way they looked or um, the type of person they are they may then attract the life or the person or whatever it is that they thought that they wanted so it really did lead me more into it I pretty much only stopped in the fitness industry probably two years ago um, because I suppose I held on to it for so long but the fitness industry really highlights a lot of the problems that we have, but a lot of the time we don't realise that. But because if we strip it all back, there's obviously a reason most of the time of why you don't like the way you look and why you want to change the way you look physically because the mental side never really comes into it unless you dive into this stuff. So I fell in love with the mental side of why are you actually turning up at the gym, why do you not like what you look like, Um and, yeah, I suppose in that side, and that's how Commit to You was born because with the whole name Commit to You, it's making that commitment to yourself to become the best version of you 
and to work through the stuff and put that commitment into yourself instead of committing yourself to all these outside factors, which is what got us into this situation in the first place, is we're so influenced by the outside um, factors around us, by people, environments, you know, you name it, we're influenced by so much. So committing to ourselves and shutting a lot of that down to be able to relearn who we are and connecting back with your authentic self because a lot of the time I find with a lot of people is we don't actually know who we are because we've been moulded into these people that our parents or our family or society wants us to be. So a lot of it is finding actually who you are and me specifically, you know, I'll go into my story a little bit when it was born, but you literally have no idea who you are. You just become what people want you to be and that's unknowingly. You don't do it because someone said, I want you to, well, sometimes they can tell you, I want you to be like this, but it's just the thoughts and influences by the people around us we, that we assume that we need to show up as a certain person or in a certain way. Absolutely. And I think that all starts from quite an early age, doesn't it, that, that programming? Yes. So it depends on what you believe. So when I do time and therapy, there's a lot of questions that I'll actually ask um was it before you were born was it when you were in the womb or after birth and that really depends on you so a lot of these can be passed but even so in a nutshell from when we're growing up so from zero to seven we have no filter so that means whatever environment we're in whatever's being said around us by the close-knit that we have around so majority of the time is your mum your dad your brother sister's family we are literally just absorbing everything and we can't actually do anything about it once we hit seven that's when the uh the unconscious mind and the conscious mind starts to click in a little bit and that's when we start to create little different patterns but from zero to seven we have no filter so whatever's happening to you in that life you are sucking it all in and you're getting influenced by everything around you and you can't stop it absolutely absolutely well that's really cool that you've been um exploring that side of things i think it is really interesting to see um the programming that we have built within ourselves um, over such a long period of time that we are so unaware of um, and we're not realising how they're impacting us on a day-to-day. So that's fascinating, really, really fascinating. So following on from how Commit To You was born, could you go a little bit more deeper into what neuro-linguistic, oh gosh, I'm butchering this, (laughs) neuro-linguistic programming even written it down and I'm looking at it and I'm still stuffing it up. Um, Tell us more in depth um, what what that is. Cool. So neuro-linguistic programming, that's right, you'll get it, it's a mouthful, that's why you just say NLP. Um, So (laughs) we break it down into the three words. So neuro, it's in your head. That's neuro. Anything when it has neuro in an example of neuroscience, neuro anything, it means in your head, your mind, what is happening in your head. Then the linguistics is language. So it's the language that's in your head. Um, And then the patterns, which I like to say is pathways. So it's the pathways in our head that we have created with this language and these beliefs that have been installed that have become just part of life and I suppose the way I describe it to my clients is you will live at a house for many years and you will move house and I can guarantee you you will drive back to that old house once or twice before you actually realize that no hang on I don't live here and that is like a neuro pathway it is so 
um, clear and so well ran that you can do it literally with your eyes closed. You don't have to think about anything. It's just a normal thing that your brain knows how to do and the way that you think because it's a very well-run path. And so with your um, NLP, we are creating new pathways. So instead of always thinking, so if we go into example is I'm not good enough, which is the like most common one, and especially I do specialise in self-worth, so that comes up a lot. So if you've always thought you're not good enough, that is a pathway that literally it's so clear, the pathway's clear, you can get through there no matter what. And what we're doing with the programming is we're trying to make like a veer off from that path. So even like with forward driving, if you've all been forward driving, there'll be a path that everybody is using Used and it's just easier to use that one because you'll get through it but if you've decided to create a new path it's going to be a little bit harder you might have to turn around you might have to reverse and you'll have to keep running it a few times before it becomes the new path that everybody else can follow if that makes sense so yes, when we are having when we're creating same within our head our new pathways you're not going to get it straight away i'm not going to go from i'm not good enough to i'm amazing straight away you're going to have to keep working on it until it becomes second nature in the unconscious mind. So then the other pathway can close down and that's a new one, if that makes sense. And like I said, it's when you go to a new house, you'll always go to the old one. You're like, oh, I don't live here anymore. But it's because <laughs> it's an unconscious thing that your brain does, which what the unconscious mind does, it just works by itself and you don't need to do anything. Absolutely. It just does what it's always done and what it knows best. It's crazy how powerful our brains are and even just coming from a perspective of um, an addict in recovery, um, I've actually had to do a lot of this because, you know, I've realised I've had so much um, deeply um, installed programming within myself that even led me to my addiction and it was a lot of those feelings of, you know, I'm not good enough, which, as you said, super common, um, the lack of self-worth and also believing that, um, you know, this this is how I solve my problems as well. Um, growing up in a household where we didn't really communicate um, and addiction did run in the family, um, it is something that I just kind of naturally fell into. So unwiring all of that and, and reprogramming myself took some time. Um, but I, it sounds like with what you're doing, um, it's a little bit more fast tracked. Like, so for me, I did years and years and years of therapy um, with a psychologist, and it took me years to actually undo a lot of that programming. But from the sounds yeah. of it, yeah, it sounds like it is a much quicker process on your end. Yeah, it is a much quicker, like, it is so, we'll go into it, but it is eight weeks. But I spent a lot of those. First, it is uh, understanding your story. And I think that's the most important from any healing journey at all is if you don't understand your story, so that's meaning the stories you're telling yourself now, so the language, which is linguistics, if you don't understand the stories you're telling now and then also starting to dive back into your childhood, so understanding and identifying the stories that what are actually yours or what stories have you borrowed from someone else because I think... That's the thing is sometimes we can think that just because it pops up in our head that automatically means it's our thought, but it's not. Just because it's in our head doesn't mean we own it. It can be very easily be parroted from someone else in your life that has said it to you once or said something to you that you have claimed as your own because deep down when they said it, you probably actually believed it because you didn't feel 
good about it. And that's one thing is, you know, when we say when we say stuff to people and people get offended, the reason they get offended is because deep down they probably believe it. That's how we take on more beliefs and more things and then they become our thoughts. But it's like I said, it's identifying, is it your thought or is it my thought? Is it something I picked up from someone else? And, you know, if it is yours or if it is a situation that you experience, it's finding those thoughts and that's when we use timeline therapy. Um, so it's all about the unconscious mind and we find those thoughts and we go back to those thoughts and we relearn them and take the learnings from them. So, you know, I think the best way to describe it is most like I said, it's been zero and seven. So things that happen to you when you're three is like the end of the world. Like if you get an ice cream taken off you and you're told that, you know, you've ruined the whole day, you've literally as a three-year-old, you actually think that you have caused all these problems yes, at the end of the world. But when we go back, as so myself as an example, so as a 36-year-old, if I go back into, you know, a three-year-old, you can see that, well, no, I didn't do anything. And yes. I think so the point of going back, and I suppose it is a little bit of inner child work because you're yep. actually going back to that and you're talking to that little person and you're saying, okay, well, this is what I've learned from it. You know, that isn't my thought or I can understand why you felt that way. But me as now, I know that it's not my thought. And the things that I've learned from that is it wasn't my thought, my um, feelings or thoughts. And then that's how we start to release them because it's it's like showing you that it's not. If that Yes. Works. Oh, absolutely. And I have done some inner child work and that in itself is really, really powerful. I even found that I shifted a lot just doing that alone because coming back mm -hmm. as your adult self and addressing those big emotions that you were feeling as a kid and kind of giving yourself that that hug and that reassurance that you didn't have at that time is just oh so powerful, so so powerful. I mean, I'm always like tears, tears when I'm doing any of that work. It is, and I think one thing that people don't know because I really delve into. So I did a lot of work with my coach at the beginning of the year, and I did a lot of family trauma, and I went further into it. So I went more into inner child and stuff. And I actually started following this later and I can send it, send this lady to you and it's called um, the adult chair. And something that she says, she, she specialises in inner child and she said that you'll be surprised that pretty much there is very, very minimal amount of people in the whole entire world that are actually in the adult, so the present. We are all functioning as a team because we're never actually taught to step out of it and to differentiate between. So we're all getting married, having kids, getting in relationships and doing and having jobs as the mindset of a teen or a child, if that makes sense, because the present yeah. mind and the adult mind is the one where we can sit there and problem solve. But when we look at how we react to stuff and we're getting angry or we're saying shit, yes. because it's actually you're in your child and it's learning how to step out of the child because we're so yes. into it because we're never taught how to step out of it because if you think about it, we become a teenager and then it's sort of like, yeah, yeah, you go. Do find your life and do what you've got to do. And that's not against any parent at all because everybody only ever does the best with the resources they have available. So if someone yeah, doesn't absolutely. know this stuff, they can't give you anything. So we can never blame anybody and hold anybody for responsible for anything. Because everybody is always doing the best they can with what they have, even if we don't understand it and if we think, how could you do that or say that? You mm. like, can't because they, yeah. you don't know their model of the world and you don't understand how they think or their 
what they've been through and what they've experienced through their life like yeah there's so much yeah i know there is there is so much and there's more i could even touch on that like even for example like within my family like we've had um a lot of issues growing up a lot of issues um we're very open about it which is why i'm even saying it on here um but you know understanding and something that's even helped me heal um is understanding the capabilities of each person in my family dynamic um knowing that they have only healed to a certain extent if at all um and you know they're not always going to know um you know how to solve my problems like it's it's not really yeah, it's really dependent on where they're at, where I'm at, how I'm perceiving it. It's just, you know, there's so much that can go into that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you for sharing that. It's all very, very I will say, I think the yes. thing that you touched on as well, and I think it it's very hard when you're in it, but I think it's you have to remind yourself with whatever you're going through and whatever you're choosing to release, experience or unravel, it is no one else's responsibility. As much as we yes. want to, they could have been involved. Like you said, um, I didn't go too much into my story, but mine, very same. My family growing up was very different. And what I got planted into my head and the experience that I've been in, I could easily turn around and say, well, you said that stuff to me and you did this stuff to me and you didn't let me have a childhood and you told me I had to look after, you know, the family and I had to, you know, just not have my childhood. We're very easily could, but that's not part of the process because it's not responsibility. And I think that's just for people out, you know what I mean? Because I think we can very easily fall in the victim mentality and think that, well, you said this and you didn't do this or you weren't a good enough dad and you weren't a good enough mom. And it's not their responsibility. Yeah. And it doesn't, yeah. And it doesn't serve us to even, be that way because um you know we don't grow by keeping in that kind of mindset and I used to be in that mindset I did used to um yeah be <laughs> have a very strong victim mindset yeah, we have, we have. we've all been there and look it's a part of the journey isn't it yes um, but one thing that um really helped me kind of step out of that is understanding that everything that I do is my responsibility and I also need to take accountability in my yeah. own healing like I can't yeah. rely on someone else to to fix that for me and by yeah. just even shifting the blame because it's easier to blame others 100%. than to like blame ourselves um but yeah that that honestly was the biggest thing for me is just acknowledging that and taking that accountability and that responsibility in my own healing. And that's when I had the biggest shifts, <laughs> the biggest shifts came from that. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think that's pointing out. So if anybody's listening for someone else, I think you need to understand that is I meet a lot of, so my clients, I'll work with people and they'll be like, oh, my partner or my sister or my daughter, you know, would really benefit from this. And that is great. Like I love that we want to express this and help other people, but at the end of the day they have to want to do it and they have to be aware of their problems just because you see their problems and you see the things that they could change or let go of doesn't mean that they can see it or they're aware of it or they want to. And I think that's, Mm. I always like to point that out because I actually had a friend over the other day and she was talking about her partner and I said, you can do whatever you want, but unless they see it and they realise that there is a problem, 
they're never going to do anything. And also, like, I hate I hate saying it, but it's unfortunately I only get a lot of people is when you hit rock bottom, which yeah. sucks because you'd love to get them before they hit rock bottom, but it's not until you hit rock bottom where you think, shit, <laughs> like, I don't know where to go, everything's crap, and... But, yeah, yeah. Like people that do listen and you try because we've all been there. I do it with my partner and I was like, you know, and I don't say a lot. I've learned to hold back because this is my job so I can see everything. But I've had to be like because it's not my problem. If he's okay and he thinks he's okay, that's all you can do. You can't save people. It's not our responsibility to save people or help people. You, we can show them stuff and like that old saying of what you can lead horse to water become a yeah. It's exactly that. And I think it's really hard because I suppose I work with also a lot of parents and they have kids that, you know, addictions and stuff like that. And they're like, what do I do? And I was like, the only thing I can say to anybody that's on the sideline is just always show them love and be there for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, because then when they do have that moment, they're going to go, no matter what, she was always there. And that's yeah. the only thing they'll remember is no matter what I did, as much obviously there's a boundary, you're not going to put up with, you know, you need to protect yourself. But, Absolutely. you know, them knowing that at any time if they were to ring you, you would be there and then you've always loved them. That's the only tip for people that are on the other side of outside yeah. of the, what's happening. A hundred percent. And I couldn't agree with that more because, um, yeah, particularly with addiction, um, yeah, it, it's, it is really hard because you, again, you do have to protect yourself. Um, and, and as well with anyone who needs help, whether it's mental health or just issues they're having within their life that they are having a really hard time navigating through. And then you've tried to really, you know, give them all the answers because you're like, you can see what's happening and you're like, I just like want to shake them, wake them up from this. Like it doesn't have to be in this way. <laughs> but yeah. the biggest thing is, is, you know, nothing is going to change for them until they're ready to take that leap. You can literally scream black and blue to them, um, yeah. but it's not going to land until they're yeah. ready to actually hear it. That is yeah. probably the biggest, biggest thing that I've learned with not only myself, um, I've had a lot of healing with my family and, you know, they very much have felt exactly the same towards me. <laughs> Yeah. wanting to shake me and wake me up from this nightmare um but yeah I wasn't really ready to to do anything about it until I myself was actually yeah. feeling ready to to make that commitment because it is a journey it is such a long journey um but it's such a rewarding one such a rewarding one such a beautiful one and yeah I'm so happy I did that work so amazing work yeah. that you're doing this with other people yeah. and helping them heal and move through these things. we're not going to sugarcoat a Paris it's not it's not crazy <laughs> no, I'm always no. that it's gonna hurt you're gonna cry you're gonna feel like shit yeah. you're gonna think why the fuck am I doing this but once you get through it it's always better and I just always like to point that out because I know you get people and they're like it was such a hard decision for me to want to do this and now I'm doing this and, oh, my God, my life is falling apart. But it literally <laughs> will last, I think, could be anywhere from, like, one to five days. And then yeah. once you come out the other side, um, and I think it's also, it's a it's a quote that I've been putting out there's something that says you've got to get in it to get out of it. And you can't, Absolutely. like, you, there's no way that you can say this is the problem but I'm just going to, like, look at it from the outside and I'm going to hope that you've got to get in it. 
You've got to get in yes. it, feel it, understand it, move through it to get out of it. And once you get in it, you get out of it and you're good. And then you've got tools to learn how if you fall back into it, you know how to get out of it again. Yeah, which is super important. It's having those super tools important. as well. Super important. Um, yeah, because we can easily fall back into those old patterns as well. Um, remember, so, yeah. it's so well ran. Like even though yes. when you create a new one, it's still there. Like you could tell me that you can still drive back to a house you lived 10 years ago. You still know where it is. Even yeah, though you yeah. might be <laughs> on how to do it, you would know how to get back there. So I think it's yes. really pointing out that with any work, if it's with NLP and Tama, there be anything, you can go back if you really want to. And I think remembering that we are always in control. So if you want to go back, you will go back. If you don't want to go back, you won't go back. In a nutshell, it's all in your head, guys. Come on. <laughs> you, you're, like, you're in control of every decision and every choice you could ever think of and make, and it all takes a decision to put you either this way or that way. And I mean, you're the, you're the creator of your life. Like, you are. Exactly. 100%. And a lot of people um, forget that, to be honest. Even I've forgotten it, especially when I was knee-deep in addiction. Um, yeah. My vision was so tunneled that I was like, this is it. And because I was in that victim mentality and I was really like, oh, oh, it's me. Oh, everything is so hard. And I was just, I was not making things any easier for myself. Um, and I was just, I was just circling. I was just circling that train. But I was letting fear as well, fear of facing those things and those really hard truths that I, I yeah. knew is what even led me to this addiction was all those really deep and tough feelings and those experiences that I had I knew that I needed to face them to actually start to heal, but that fear really kept me from moving forward. Is that something that you say comes up a lot with your clients as well? well so fear controls our whole life, and I don't think people realise this because I think when we say fear, people can automatically think, oh, scary movies or like the actual state of being afraid of something. But fear most of the time in a lot of people will dictate every single choice in your life and every decision. And that's even from like we can go really light scale to why you take a job, why you'd be in a relationship because the underlying fear behind us dictates what we're going to do because you don't, you know, you're afraid so you might go, okay, well, I'm going to take this job because I'm afraid that no one else will hire me or I'm afraid I won't get any money. So you're taking a job. So that's on a really light scale. And obviously, so when the fear comes up when we're doing release work, it's quite big. It's huge because when if we take it back to the unconscious mind, so the unconscious mind's highest source and highest role is to protect you. So what it does, it remembers when you were little or, you know, but most time it is little because, it, you know, it's all gone from a little point. That first time you ever felt fear, anger, sadness, hurt or guilt, it will remember that feeling. So its job, what it thinks it's doing, is it's sending that fear out and that fight or flight to try and protect you for something that may or may not happen. But all it knows is it's protecting you from never feeling that again. So your unconscious mind is out there to help you, but because if we have never done the work to open it to be like, okay, well, that isn't actually a, a valid fear. It's a fear that has been attached many years ago. We're not going to make a lot of decisions and we're going to listen to that fear because your unconscious mind is going, no, 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 don't do it because if you do that, you're going to feel this and you're going to experience this again because it remembers everything. 
Our unconscious mind is like the way I describe it, it's like a filing cabinet or a photo album. It remembers every single thing that has ever happened to you and that doesn't matter if you go, I don't remember because you have chosen and you've made a decision to what I say is you put it in an envelope in the back of the filing cabinet and you don't want to think about it. But it remembers everything. So all it does, it takes from the information it has, so the current information from all your life, and will go, hang on, this is starting to feel like this that happened when I was five, even though you're not five you're 30 or 20 something and it's going well this feels similar so I don't want you to do that because if you do that it's going to make me feel like this if that makes sense because everything is connected and your unconscious mind is just literally there to protect you so that's why we need to be releasing these negative emotions because once we release these negative emotions that have been created when we were little it's going to take away that fear because you are going to be able to experience these emotions, so, not exactly, but somewhat like for the first time again and have a new idea of it. So this fear of when you were five and something happened, you're going to re-experience. So now as an adult you can do it so you'll actually find you will start to make different choices because it's not attached to that. Don't do it, don't do it, because remember when you were five it really uh, ruined your life or hurt you, if that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah that, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, dictates everything and I think it's it's more understanding that it's not just the big things it's literally even why you could be friends with someone is because you're a fear of not having a friend so you'd rather have a really shitty friend or you'd rather hang out with all your friends that so obviously myself as well being an ex um drug user I had a lot of friends and when I chose to step out of that world, I had a choice of either still being friends with them and putting myself in situations that I knew I wouldn't be able to cope with or going with just no friends. And I had no friends for like three years because it was like, well, and it was scary shit and, you know, mm. I talk quite openly about my brother. He'll never see any of this stuff. But he chooses <laughs> to sit in his because it's more comfortable. And that's yes. the thing a lot of people is we will choose, and this could be not even addiction, it can be, you know, abusive relationships, it can be, you know, anything like this. We will choose to sit in something that is super uncomfortable then try to move into something that's new that we don't know what it is because that's a fear of oh, I don't know what it is and it's much easier to sit and run a pattern that you know too. So like even like I said, if it is an abusive relationship, you know that if something happens, you know how to deal with it because you've dealt with it that many times that it's easy, which sounds mm. silly. You think, oh, well, you, sh you know, you wouldn't want to, but you're like, yeah, but you know how to deal with it. Then going, if yeah. I was to step out of it, how do I deal with this new life where – I don't have any of that or I don't. It, it can be more fearful when an outsider that does experience can be like, what do you mean? Like that's the best thing but because it's so unknown and, you know, the anxieties come up and it's the fear of the unknown and what's going to happen and that's more scary than going, oh, I'm just going to stay fucked up for the rest of my life or I'm just going to stay, you know, continuing getting, you know, um, treated like shit which you know like I said when you can step out of it when you've done the work you can look at it and you go like what was I doing but when you're in it it's like your comfort zone it's easier yes. to stay in this fear and in this pattern because you know how to work it no matter how shit it is you just yeah. know how to work it so you're like that doesn't matter it only oh, lasts we both get over it like <laughs> it's you know no. I mean, I only get high for this thing and then I can just go get more or I can it's yeah 
Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have been in that vicious cycle for many years. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's and it's so important to shift through that stuff, which is why doing what you're doing, I feel like is it serves such a great purpose um, for people on their healing journey. It is such a vital part of it for us to be able to start shifting through all of those emotions, all of those fears, um, and helping us to create a better life. Um, so that is amazing. That's awesome. Uh, but leading in from that, I guess, is something that I wanted to ask you because I am curious um, your thoughts on this. Um, yeah. But what is something that you're seeing a lot of when it comes to, say, mental health um, or the struggles that we are facing today as a society? Like what are you seeing commonly with your clients? The main thing, it's not even, I just see in general, and this is the thing that I'm really honing into in my business and really trying to get out there, is just nobody talks about anything. Like, and and that's because we've been brought up because if we go like even like decades like back, we were brought up is we don't talk, we don't show emotions, your problems are not as important as someone else's, someone, and the thing that I hate when people say, which is just valid, but oh, but someone's had it worse or someone is worse off. And I think it's about understanding that it doesn't matter how big or how small your story is or whatever happened to you, it is a valid thing. And if it affected you, that's okay. But I think we put a lot of emphasis on, oh, well, it's not as bad as someone else that, that happened too and I think because we look at like um I think I might have mentioned to you the other day where I chatted which you didn't realize is when we can look into trauma work in that world sometimes you'll hear people say little t and big t which meaning big trauma so like big things that could be you know like assault and stuff you know like big stuff is where you can actually see it and then little t could be like you know growing up and being in atmospheres that weren't healthy that have created these things but it's still traumatizing to you because it's what it did to you and i think with that in itself is when we're starting to categorize what your trauma is you're going to say oh well mine's only little so don't worry about it and that's the problem because i can't even as a coach i can't tell you how big your problem is you're the only one that understands how big it is because just because, you know, it's not as big as something you may have seen on TV or someone that you follow and their story was huge and they were in hospital and all this stuff, you're like, oh, well, mine wasn't that bad. I was just, you know, in a, in a family that's seen a lot of stuff and I was open. It's stopping us from talking about it because it's like, well, it's not big enough to talk about. It's not a big enough problem. We're told so long, suck it up and don't worry about it. Build a bridge and get over it. Like, yes. And I think <laughs> heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's like I said, it's no one's fault. It's just over time and as we've evolved over years, because like I said, if you go back to like decades ago, it was. Don't People don't talk about emotions because it's a sign of weakness. You don't tell people your problems, which I still find as well come up. Like I'm having it with a friend at the moment. Like I'm an open book. You can talk to me about anything, but I'm noticing that people keep it to themselves because they're like, oh, but I don't want to burden someone or I don't want them to worry. Like, you know what I mean? But I was like, if you have, like, for me, for my friend, I'm like, do you know who you're talking to? 
I want to know your problems. I want to know everything because I want to help you get through them. But I think it's gone from everybody is nobody wants to talk about anything because nobody wants to burden anybody. Nobody wants to, you know, someone to feel sorry for them. And again, oh, well, it's not that big of a problem, which is the story in their head. It's not that big. You know, like I didn't end up in hospital. I wasn't in, you know what I mean? Like I find that really shaking people because they're like, well, it's not big enough. But it doesn't matter who, like, who told you how big it had to be for it to be a problem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. Oh, Oh, that's probably, like I said, I I see it with a lot of clients, but I think I'm seeing it more and more, like, even the way people talk about stuff, it's like, and they're all, like, listening, which is great because obviously people like ourselves, something obviously happened that was, you know, maybe big. Like, I don't know, I even look at mine. I was like, I suppose it was big. And then the more I share my story, I was like, oh, it is, but it wasn't. But it, it obviously affected me and it was a big chunk of my life. And I suppose there's little things that happen that now I think, oh, yeah, that was pretty big. But we watch people like ourselves and we think, oh, they've got such a story and so much has happened to them, you know, what makes my story of living in a family where my parents broke up and they didn't have a good relationship which formed my belief around love and stuff like you know what I mean like what makes me think that my problem is big enough compared to you because you've had all this stuff happened and I find that's the real thing that I'm trying to tell people is it doesn't like matter but if something's happening in your head something happened yeah absolutely shut up your problem's not big enough that's where they're gonna cry like I've got a daughter at the moment saying to you if you tell her that her problems aren't big enough. She's going to cry even more because it hurt or her toy annoyed her. And that's, it's the be all and end all. Like, yes. And yeah. I think that's no. the one thing I want to say to people is it's your problem and your problem is important. Absolutely. Move through. Absolutely. Like, I honestly, I was saying this, I was like, oh my gosh, I have been seeing this nonstop as well. Like, I literally yeah. experienced this just over the weekend. I went to a friend's 30th. Um, I wasn't drinking. I hadn't really seen a lot of those people for a while. And, you know, I had people coming up to me being like, oh, my gosh, your podcast, like, how exciting. You're doing such cool things. Um, and, you know, they were saying to me, like, I've been, like, I've had my um, issues with addiction. Oh, nowhere near as bad as yours. And I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah. Like, it, like, it's still, you know, it's still valid to talk about. Like, tell me, like, you know, what did you go through? How did you get out of it? Like, I want to yeah. hear. I want to understand. And I often have friends as well who really struggle to reach out and even just ask for help because of that feeling of being a burden. That is a really big one that comes through. It's and- not something, well, you've got your problem, so I don't want to add to it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I get that a lot with my friends because I've obviously, so when I did the beginning of the year, I did a lot of trauma stuff. And I was just, I'm an open book. Like if you're my friend, I'll tell you because I wanted to. Yeah. And that's obviously I put with everybody's I want to urge is talk about it. don't hold it in like find your friend or people that don't like I love journaling if you ever work with me if you ever follow me I talk about all the time I think it's the best thing in the world because if you can't voice it to someone you need to get it out somehow and if that is in the form of journaling and I will say and I can give you some link I actually have a free um journaling resource because I get a lot of people that be like oh, I just don't know what to write or like they'll write something and they get stuck so I've actually made some questions and stuff that helps you to be able to loosen that grip on your story and 
you know, holding everything in because, like I said, we've gotten so used to just be like, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody, oh, it's my problem, it's not your problem, people have got worse and we've gotten so good at just shoving everything down and locking it away that we actually don't know how to express it and I think that that's what comes up with a lot of people why they don't want to talk about it as well because they actually don't know how to put it in words because they actually don't understand what happened or what emotions are behind it or anything like that. So I think the number one thing is you need to get it out. Like, and don't, if you feel like you're burdening someone, you probably need to get it out even more. And like I said, but if you do feel bad about that, get a journal and literally write. And the thing I love about journals is you can tell people to get fucked. You can tell people, you know, but you can't because no one's going to read it. And I think the other thing when people go, well, I can't write it down because my husband might read it or my wife might read it, my kid might read it. So what I'm going to say is with journaling, you don't have to keep it. I keep all mine because I love all mine and I love reading them. But if you feel that, because I know some people will stop back, is when you write it, rip it out and burn it or rip it up. Because once it out, that's all that needs to happen. It just needs to get out for you to even become aware of it and then start to process it. But if you never let it out, it's adding to more chaos in your head, to more stories in your head, and you wonder why, you know, you're getting anxious, stressed, depressed, you know, overwhelmed. It's because you've got so much shit in your head that you won't let out that, again, we can. I'm not going into a tangent but I'm just going to touch on it, <laughs> is your body keeps, there's actually a book called Your Body Keeps Count, but if you keep it in your head, there's only one way for wherever it to go is to go into your body. So you're going yes. to push it down, which you're going to create things is where we start to see sickness, pain, and anything like that because your body remembers everything. And a little one that I love is pain means pay attention inside now because ah. all feelings and emotions create stuff I literally have Mm. books on (laughs) that I um, share with my clients and it actually is like this is a little one but I've got a really big one but it's every sort of pain and every anything in your body is linked to an emotion or something that has happened to you yeah and I don't think people realize that and a lot of people that will come work with me and I'll always ask them is there any pain like anything that's been going on for eight or like anything and when I read them, what's behind it, like 90% of the time, they're like, holy shit, like that's everything. And I'm like, exactly. It's because your body keeps score. Yes. And if we're not getting it out, like you might be right. You could be like, I don't know who are you. You're listening in your early 20s. You're like, I'm fine. Start to hit 30s, 40s. Your body starts to get achy. You're having reoccurring injuries. You're getting sick all the time, like, and you don't, and you, and you go on to doctors and, they're not so you know what I mean and you just they're just like oh you're fine it's nothing it's nothing it's you need to start looking at what's happening what have you suppressed in your life what are you not dealing with and you'll find that things start to shift yes like yeah a lot of people don't realize that and that's why I'm like journaling just write whatever you want and it's don't like like literally anything and I, I don't know it's hard but it's like people go I can only be like write, write if you had a good day write if you had a bad day write that your kid for example, threw a crayon on your head the other day and you cried because you had the end of it. You know what I mean? But, again, no story is too big and too small. You just yeah. need to empty everything that is in your head, preferably every day. I like to do it at night before bed because then you sleep better. Um, and I suppose the other thing I say is there doesn't have to be a certain way of writing things. It can be lists. 
It can be you just word vomit. I write as in I'm talking. I always have, like I'm talking to someone. But there's no right or wrong. But like I said, there is a resource. I can send it um, to you, Paris, and you put a link. And it just yep. gives you questions because I find a lot of clients will be like, oh, I just don't know how to, I don't know what to write. And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't? And they're like, I just don't know. So I've just formulated questions when you get stuck. It's ask yeah. this question and be like, why does, you know, what feeling did that bring up? And then what does yes. that feeling? And it just starts to help you start to unravel. Well, why do I? And I think the one thing I'm to say to people, if you get stuck on something, question yourself. So say like, say you said, oh, I had a really shitty day. And then you're like, so in it right. So why did I think it was shitty? And then yes. answer the question. And you'd be like, oh, yeah. because this happened. Well, why did this happening? So say someone had cancelled a like thing. Why did them cancelling that commitment? You feel that too. And you literally you just keep asking questions and then that's how it becomes. Hey, we just start going, this is fucking shit because this person didn't come. And you can start getting really easy with it. But it's yeah. set, just learn how to cage everything and shove it all down because that's what we were taught to do. Absolutely. And it, honestly, everything you've said there is so on point. I, I've even been going through that um, through my own recovery journey is recognising how to regulate myself and my nervous system has been a massive one, huge one, um, and dealing with those emotions that do come up and, you know, not resorting to trying to avoid it and, you know, maybe watch TV or do drugs or, you know, have a drink and avoid it, Um, but learning to just sit with it, which is really, really hard and it can be uncomfortable, but when you've got those tools and you say you can like get a journal out and write some things down or even some deep breathing things like that um you've got those tools to kind of regulate yourself back again even um a really good one as well for regulating the nervous system is if you stand up with your feet planted on the ground you just fully shake like really shake it right out to release energy yeah there's heaps of yes heaps yeah yeah yeah. changing your state so your state is obviously when you go into like it's doing what you can to change the state because when we stay in the state, that's when we're like, oh, I'm just going to get fucking high or oh, I'm just going to be because then you're like, why? Well, because I know that's going to change my state. Yes. So do you get what I mean? So just finding yes. something. But even if it's just get up on the couch and just go outside, like change the environment, like you just got to go do something. But I suppose yes. it's learning because doing drugs or doing stuff like that, it's a very easy, like I said, it's a comfortable pattern. You know yes. it's going to work. You know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, why else wouldn't I do it? You know, I mean, that's the most of people's life, even if we're not talking about drugs, is why don't you why do you do stuff? Because I know how to do it and I know how to get there. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's a normal Absolutely. and that's another thing with the unconscious mind for, because I do a lot of work. So with when I teach, I do a lot of education because yeah. I want you to understand how the unconscious mind works, so then you actually get why you're doing stuff. But the unconscious mind remembers everything and it works best from repetition. And it's number one, it will always find the path of least resistance. So that's why sometimes you will want to go back to that easy one because your unconscious mind, well, it's easy because you know how to do it. But again, because it works on repetition, if you keep doing the new thing, it will find that then that is easy and it will go to that one. So you have to remember that it will always work on the path of less um, resistance. So that's why you'll grab or gravitate to something that's easier because your unconscious mind goes, but that's easier. Why wouldn't I do that? Yeah, and also what your unconscious mind um, learns as well, and this is something that I've been learning through the effects that 
in particular with addiction, the physiology um, effects um, and neurological effects that we have when we do take drugs or we drink and things like that, is that um, when we are going through those emotions that, you know, we do like to numb down and we, because it, you know, it often does stem from an emotion that we're not comfortable with, right? Um, so when, when, yeah, when we are wanting to, to use or whatever, have a drink, um, our brain often will start kicking in like physical cravings as well because that is your brain has learnt over time that this is what's worked for us before. This is what mm -hmm. helped us before and then your body will just naturally start okay. developing it's those like physical that. cravings. It's like resistance. It's, yeah. it's funny because when, when I do the education with a lot of people, I spend a whole, I think, an hour, an hour and a half literally just teaching about the conscious mind. So do people are like, oh, my, like, that makes so much sense. It's actually very easy. But it's just because we've never known it and we don't understand it. But when you sit down and actually go through, you're like, oh, that makes sense why I think that way. Or that's very easy for me to do. But we think it's this such a like hard thing to learn because we've never been taught it. But it's really not that hard. It's just yeah. understanding how it works. It's like anything. You need to understand for it to work so then you can realise what's happening. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, what are the current courses or like programs that you have yeah. at the moment that, you feel a lot of these listeners might be beneficial to benefit from? <laughs> sure. My God, I'll start with the Discipline. So I've just created a tiny little course. Well, it's not tiny. It's only well, it's two weeks. But I created this course because when I do a lot of my work and you will find anybody that does work, you will end up with a morning routine or ritual and you'll probably end up with a night ritual. And so what I found is, so I've just had a little girl, she's 18 months now, That but what I found is when I had her, which is expected, I dropped everything. And I think it was, she was probably nine or ten months when I just started to feel overwhelmed. Like, okay, and it's going to sound funny because obviously when you have a kid, this is going to happen anyway, but because I'm very in tune with my body, it was a different type of overwhelm, okay? Just putting it out there, guys. It was not less I have a baby <laughs> I started to just feel super overwhelmed. I felt lost. I didn't know what I was doing, where I was going, what I, I was just very just overwhelmed on a daily. And me as a person, after all the work I've done, that's not a normal for me. Like I will normally, I'm pretty calm, I'm pretty peaceful, but that's because of my routines. So I, I created this small program to learn how to drop back into your body because obviously what happened when I had a kid is I left it all and I so I stopped in my obviously business committing to myself and I stopped giving myself that five or ten minutes every day to drop back into my body to witness and and see what is happening in my body what am I feeling what you know what things are coming up what is not okay with me and just by even doing that I was starting to shift how I felt every day because I was checking in with myself. So the 14-day course it's called the journey back to you because it's literally I'm going to slow it's it's really good for people that are highly stressed and think that they never have any time in the day because I'm going to teach you how to, in the same amount of time that everybody else has, is to slow down, start to understand what is happening inside, like where's all this overwhelm coming from, where's all this stress coming from, and we're implementing all these little procedures that may look like a lot from the outside, but I literally have had... In the, I've just finished the first uh, launch of it and I had a lady in particular that was, I remember the first Zoom call because I did a little thing where I was like, all right, guys, you know that I have coffee till 9 o'clock in the morning, which isn't that bad. 
but it's got nothing to do with the coffee, which I'll go into. But she, I remember her getting on Zoom. She's like, I can't do it. And she's a very highly strung, very, like, stressed and, like, very, like, and she's like, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I can't, no, nah, I can't do this. It's too much. I can't do it. I wake up at this time. I can't do this. And was, like, full pushback. Within four days, I messaged her and she was like, oh, my goodness. She's like, I am just calm. I can do stuff. And it was literally, it only takes 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night. But to see such a shift. So the 14 days is learning how to drop back into your body to, number one, start to understand what's happening in your body and may like you know start to understand what are the stories that are happening in your head what emotions are coming up and stuff like that because with the other course I'll go into it's a lot about that but if you're unaware because you're so stuck in your lane of everything's happening every day is like groundhog day you're just going through the days you're tired every day you never have enough time in the day you don't have the time and you're not giving yourself the space to even realize or understand that anything's happening in your body so you have to slow down to find the problems or the issues then to be able to deal with them so the whole program is learning how to identify these problems so it's just a tiny little course to drop yourself back in um but then obviously leads into, so my primary um, program and the one is that I recommend for everybody that should do is my eight-week program. And so that one is where we spend. I educate you on exactly what's happening in your head. I There's a lot of questions and a lot of time talking to me because one thing I'll point out with um, NLP is the whole point about it is obviously the language, okay? So what I have to do as a coach is I have to listen to every single thing that you say. Every time I write something down, it has to be written down in your words because what I'm doing is I'm forming my model of your world. And what that means is because when you come to me, if you were to come to me and say, I have this problem, and I would go, okay, well, as me, Sarah, I would deal with it like this. You'd be like, well, I'm not fucking you. It's not going to work. So I need to literally become you if that makes sense. I need to listen to the way you talk about stuff, listen to what affects you, and I need to. So when I coach you, I literally step in. So if it was you, Paris, I would step in as Paris. So then I can answer your questions. I can answer your stuff as you. Right. language. You get what I mean? Because if I turn around and say, go, oh, well, as me, I would be like this because even as, as myself, I've done so much work, I'd be like, yeah, just do it like this. You'd be like, but that doesn't work in my life. That doesn't, you know what I mean? Or you're coming to me and you don't have kids and you don't, and I have kids and I'm trying to answer you, be like, oh, it's not going to make sense. So I spend yeah. a lot of time formulating. It's like, it's like, I suppose, my little thing because I come in and I have to step in as you. I can't answer as Sarah. I have to answer as Paris, as Paris feels, as her emotions and the understanding everything around you. So I spend a lot of time learning your patterns so then I can answer you. Then once I've become you, we go into the timeline therapy and then that's when I release things. So I always start and it's with every client. You have to release your negative emotions. So we release anger, sadness, hurt, fear and guilt. That has to be done with everybody because, like I said, it's going to take us back to when we're little and our first ever experiences. And you're going to even find just from releasing those experiences, you may find some beliefs going. Then after we've done our negative emotions, we will go through your limiting beliefs. And with the limiting beliefs, most of the time I'm not going to ask you for them because they come up with 
everything that you talk because when I work with you, I'm always writing and I'm listening to everything you say. So I'm actually writing down and I'm finding them because without limiting beliefs, people don't realise we talk about them all the time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And so I can find them literally from having a conversation with you. So then I'll sit there and go, okay, what do you want to work on? And I'll give you like five and we'll find the biggest ones that feel the most to you. And then we go in and release those limiting beliefs, which then creates us to be able to move forward. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Eight weeks one, that's where we release stuff. The 14 days, just like you said, because a lot of the time we know we're stressed but we don't really – we don't know what's happening. So the 14 days just to start to get you to slow down to be going and because there's a lot of tasks in there, I might get you to a task and you're like, oh, I didn't realise that was in here. You know what I mean? To start to just realise things that are coming up or things that you're suppressing with your busy days and your workaholic yes. tendencies and, um, yeah, the coffee. I will explain the coffee thing because it was quite a big pushback. Yeah, for a lot of do people. explain. <laughs> to do with coffee and that's the thing that people are like but what do you mean so the whole point of me saying you cannot have coffee till nine o'clock because if we think most of us that drink coffee we will wake up in the morning we start the coffee machine or we start making coffee which is one of the first things that we do and you will hear a lot of people say i can't function without coffee i don't know what i'm doing whatever so it's got nothing to do with coffee it's got to do with control so you can control what you're doing and when you're doing it because you've got to right. think that you can survive without coffee. Like I said to the people in the thing, I was like, if we were to wake up tomorrow and coffee just disappeared, you're not going to die. You're not going to, like, combust. <laughs> That's you're true. To, you're just going to have to learn how to deal with the things that you've used as, like, anything, which could be a substance, like, could be drugs, could be anything you're going to have to learn how to deal with life without it, if that yeah. makes sense. So it's literally yeah, it nothing to do with it. I used to do it even with my nutrition. I don't care if you're addicted to broccoli. If you're addicted to something or if you are needing something to show up or you're saying, I need this to do this, that means you are not in control. You have given your power and your control to something else that is outside of you and that is the problem. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if it's water, if it's drug, like doesn't matter. As soon as you've given your control away and you've, like said, you're not in control, that is the problem. Yes, absolutely. Everybody's like, but why coffee? I'm like, but why not? It's just coffee. Yeah, yeah. I'm 18 months and we have sleepless nights and I still sometimes now forget I might have coffee at 11. Otherwise, but I'm like, because I'm not thinking I have to have, do you know what I mean? It's just. Yes, yes. That you are in control of your atmosphere and surroundings and everything in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's so important as well. And that's such a good exercise to kind of remind yourself of that. Um, You you do forget it. You should have sent the messages. But I wake up at this time, so that means that I can I have this time. And I'm like, no. Like, it's just like you can do whatever you want with the 14 days. No push, but, coffee. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But the amount, you should have seen the excuses I was getting is like, but I wake up at four and I start at seven and most people start at night. So I'm like, I don't care what time you wake up. I don't care what time you start work. It's just a freaking substance that is outside of you that is was could have never been there and you never could have introduced yourself to it and you would have never had a problem. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's that's yeah. so true. <laughs> so true. Yeah. And I think that's a really good 
simple way to start. Um, yeah, and like you can do it with anything. Like it doesn't have to be coffee. If you can't do coffee because it controls your life, do it with something else that you think that you have to do every day. Yes. And it can yeah. be anything. Like I've had people like I have a lot of women that are like older and I think it happens because it's controlling. They're like very OCD, so in their house. So I'm like, yeah. what's one thing that you have to do that if you don't do would annoy the shit out of you, but it realistically if you didn't do it, it wouldn't do anything. So some will be like, oh, I set the table every night ready for the next day. So I get to the point I'm like, well, don't do it. And they're like, oh, but I can't. And I used to have a lady that would like, it sounds really funny, but she would make her bed every morning because if someone was to break in their house, she didn't want them to think that them to think that she was um, not clean, which sounds really funny. If you're doing it, but so I had to get her to stop making her bed and it would full on for her. She was like, oh, oh because of control. So it's just yes. weird little things that we do in our life that we're unaware of that are controlling us. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I make my bed every morning, but it's more in the sense of that makes me feel like I've got a, a goal yes, it, kind it, of yeah. task See, set up in the day different. No, I found specifically I would ask them, what's something you do? Because that's something I have with a lot of people when you're morning. If you can, if someone's not in there, make your bed because it's, it's setting you up for the day because we could go into a tent. There's so many little things that you can just tie in a little change that you can do that will change your whole life that you think is huge and it's really not. Absolutely. So going um, further on that as well, where would be the best place for people to find information on your services um, and be able to sign up for your courses? Instagram is my yes. platform at the moment yeah so Instagram is probably the best way I've got all the links in my bio so you can contact me um and organize little zoom calls because I do free zoom calls because obviously I want to meet you I want you to meet me if you don't follow me and also because I need to see that what I'm putting out there is for you because I think that's one thing as well is not everything is for everybody and also if you're not ready you could come in and you could have all the money in the world and you'd be like yep I want to do it but I can talk to you and be like you think you want to do it but you're not ready to do it so I you have to really find that because that is also one thing in my job is I need to find secondary gain you can get people that will come in and they want to work on stuff because they think it's a good idea and everybody else is doing it but they don't actually want to let go of their story they don't actually want to not be a victim because you'll meet people that enjoy their story which sounds oh, yes. funny that love talking about what happened to them and they can't let go of it because if they were to let go of it, what then they don't have an identity because like, who am I? Yeah. 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 So yeah, but yeah, even and even I like to say to people, even if you want to organize a call or if you want to jump into DMs and you, you just want to talk, ask like just reach out to me. Yeah. Like if you just want to talk about something or if you want to tell me something, um, because you feel that you would like to or if I've done a video on something that you want to talk about or if you want me to talk about something, just tell me. Yeah, yeah awesome. out, I love to talk about this stuff. <laughs> and everything leads into everything. So just because you think it doesn't, it leads into something else. So, yeah, but Instagram is your best. You can, yeah, just come awesome. and see no worries. And for our listeners as well, I'll definitely be posting um, your information as well. I'll make it accessible for everybody on Facebook, on Instagram. And once my website has launched, which hopefully it has by the time this has dropped, <laughs> it will be on there too. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on today. I had a lot of fun chatting with you. This was, yeah, very educational. I loved it. 
Thanks. Anytime. Full of education. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, we'll wrap that up here. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Paris. Yeah.